And we're live. All right. Welcome back. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guest, Mr. Declan Finn, introduce himself. Hello. Uh, Declan Finn. Uh, I've published about 30-some-odd books, or the high 20s. No, it's 30-some-odd books, not counting anthologies. Uh, I will write anything that's not nailed down and some things that are. And uh, basically, you can find me all over the place. As uh, Penance for My Sins, I have lived my entire life in New York City, a fact that I'm about to rectify, but that's a different conversation entirely. Uh, and one of the things I seem to specialize in, half of the books I've written have been urban fantasy, as you can probably tell by today's book. Absolutely. All right. And so since you've been on the show many times, because uh, fellow history nerds got to stick together, uh, you've answered the religion question before, so I'm going to mix it up a little bit for you. So the last Starfighter, Tron or Robocop? Tron. Okay. All of them were classics of our childhood and all of them were mm. correct answers. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. Well, believe it or not, I haven't actually well, seen last Starfighter. You should, you are missing out. It is a mm. show that's aged surprisingly well. I've watched it with my kids. So did nice. you, uh, did you watch RoboCop too, or, or is that one, another one you haven't seen? No, no, I've, I've seen RoboCop. I, although I, to be perfectly honest, I think the best part of RoboCop is the music and watching the cast because even the random thugs have become act named actors in the last, ever since the film came out. That's one of those movies where it caught a lot of people in the beginning of the career. The movie Taps, if you've seen it, was like that too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Charlie yeah. Sheen and them. It's just one of those movies that happened to catch the right people at the right time before they blew up. Um, so, all right. And because we are polytheistic, Willow, Legend, or Conan the Barbarian? I'll have to go with Willow, mainly because Legend is Tim Curry's movie. Unfortunately, they put Tom Cruise in there some for some reason. Um, and Conan the Barbarian, frankly, that's James Earl Jones' movie, and somehow, for some reason, Schwarzenegger's in it. I, I can't understand that. So. <laughs> All right. And uh, finally, uh, Dracula, the Bella Lagosa one you love so much, Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween? It would have to be tossed up between the original Bella Lugosi, Dracula, or Halloween, mainly because the original Dracula is got has got surprisingly solid acting considering the time period and the technology of sound film, which was almost in its infancy by that point. I don't even think it was a toddler by the time it was filmed. And Halloween, on the other hand, has got a lot of interesting things going for it, considering it was almost art. Just looking at how it was filmed and the, you know, low, low to no budget effects with fairly solid results. Um, and of course, Donald Pleasant's doing his low-key, uh, wide-eyed, always somewhat terrified. But uh, no, I'll, I'll have to give the original uh, Dracula props. 
Okay. So, uh, obviously, if you're looking at the cover, this is one of my favorite type of episodes. We're talking to authors who write short stories. So today we'll be taking a brief look at Shoot the Devil, 10 Tales of Humans Defeating the Demonic. And it's an anthology. So let me read you the blurb so we can figure out what this is all about. I think the title pretty much sums it up in case you were wondering, but I'm going to read it anyway. 10 Subversives Finest Team Up to Bring You Tales from a Serial Killer's Basement to the Weird West to the Average Small Town, all featuring mostly ordinary men and women fighting back against the forces of darkness. Uh, so what is a subversives? Like, what is that referring well, to? Is that what you call your collective, like the Inklings or something? Well, the superversive uh, movement is coined by uh, El Jaji Lamplighter and her husband, John C. Wright, where it's basically to inspire as opposed to subversive, which is what every other Hollywood trope these days. So, yes, yeah, the superversive is supposed to be okay. a movement, not necessarily a collective, because there are some people in the move who are in the movement who, you know, I, I wouldn't turn my back on in a you know brightly lit in a brightly lit street the hell with a darkened alley, but that's a different conversation. But uh, no, we're not really. A lot of us are friends, especially in this anthology, but uh, it's more of a movement than anything else. Okay. All right. So in this anthology, what was your story called? It was called To Catch a Monster. And, uh, you know, it's a take on the old phrase, you know, you send a thief to catch a thief. Well, if you're going to catch a monster, you okay. one. Um so because these are generally quicker episodes, what would your synopsis be without spoiling the story? Because we want people, obviously, to read. So, It is the introduction of a demon hunter who, well, he's working off penance. And that's the short version. The long version is in the book and you'll have to pay money to read it. Okay. So what was the inspiration for this story? The inspiration for this particular story was it was originally written as a proof of concept for um, my old publisher, uh, Silver Empire, and they were doing a series of super a joint superhero novels. They're supposed to be in a shared universe. And I figured, OK, well, I'm, I'm finally running out of uh, books to write in my primary series, St. Tommy NYPD. So, you know, somewhere else to play. Let me try it. And someone in one of my groups had asked about heroes who are working off penance. Now, my first thought is, yeah, thank you. We saw Angel in the late 90s. Um, with, you know, do, do we need too many brooding superheroes again? But it's like, well, let me try something. And this was the end result. And when it came around that we were going to do a, well, it was, this anthology was originally pitched to me as, you know, punch the devil in the face. Uh, it's like, okay, I think I got something for you. And I sent this and two other stories in and uh, Eric Postma, the editor decided on uh, to catch a to catch a monster. Okay. So does your story fit into a larger universe? Yes, it does. I'm actually got 
two or three other primary characters and a universe I'm building up by myself at this point. Um, Let's just say that I'm going to be submitting it to an actual publisher uh, straight up instead of self-publishing this one first. And uh, worst thing that happens is, you know, I'll just write my three or four books and self-publish in a block. It seems to have worked before. But yeah, it does have a larger universe. And the it's basically I wanted to do one part open magic system, one part superhero. Um, this is one of those things where... I've been pissed off by open universe magic systems where the automatic assumption is, oh, now that we have magic, we're going to get rid of everything, including current religions. We're all going to become neo-pagans again. It's like, one, do you know anything about actual pagans? Because that involved a lot of human sacrifice. Two, given the rules of the universe that you have... Um, there is no actual reason for any of the current religions to disappear at all. Um, because usually I, the rules of most universes that I see are, oh, if you're spiritual, you could do, you can do magic and you could do even better magic. It's like, okay, congratulations. You just resurrected, uh, every Catholic meditation practice for the last thousand years. Uh, do we want to talk about how many uh, rabbis in the Orthodox tradition could probably do miracles just from their 12-hour sessions at the Wailing Wall? And so it, it's kind of like when I read the Da Vinci Code, I came out with a five-book series because I was A, a historian, and B, pissed off. Uh, pretty much just a similar inspiration. It's like, okay, you guys are going to do it badly. I'm going to do it right. <laughs> so. So I'm not particularly religious, but I, I have studied, you know, any history major in most colleges is taking a history of religion class. It's sort of fundamental to society. How do you avoid it? Yeah. And so I can't think of anything shy of aliens coming down in that old concept where we actually created you as aliens. There is no God like that could maybe upend things, yes. but shy of that, like every religion, all the main ones and specifically the religions of the book, uh, you know, such Judaism, Christianity and Islam, all of them have things built in that even your magic is going to come across that with an explanation in their holy words and anyone else not of their faith that are doing it, well, that's just the demons, right? Like, I, they've all got built-in explanations for stuff like that. I don't understand that concept where you would have to get rid of all religion. Yeah, neither do I. That's one of the reasons. One and, of the reasons why the... Even if, even if it challenges their faith, like, people that are, like, the more you, you, you know, slam someone against the wall, the more they're going to dig in. Not That's the way to not convince them. So not only is it failing to understand religion, it's failing to understand human nature. I never understood that. Neither do I. But anyway, that's that's a topic for another day because we did promise you a short one. So uh, first, what um, genre would the larger universe fit into? And then more specifically, this story. Uh, it would fit into definitely urban fantasy um, type of general genre uh 
probably a subgenre of horror, especially this one, because if the adversaries aren't going to uh, creep you out, the hero definitely is. Um, you'll, you'll, it'll probably be very clear where I got him from halfway through the short story, if not at the conclusion. Um, but that is always a mixed bag as far as, oh yeah, the audience is going to find this very, very obvious. It's like, no, they never saw it coming. <laughs> or vice versa. It's like, they'll never see it coming. No, they figured it out in two pages. <laughs> so so is the rest of the collection urban fantasy and horror as well? Um, to varying degrees. Uh, one of the ones that I can think of off the top of my head, Dan Humphreys, is the kind of horror of Silence of the Lambs. Uh, you have okay. uh, Nate or N.R. LaPointe, who, great author, by the way, I recommend you read his stuff. They're all fun. He goes more Lovecraftian, probably because there are days I swear that he is a genetic reincarnation of Lovecraft. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there are facial similarities. Uh, and of course, Mike Gallagher, who, uh, great guy. He's only done one book and it's like, damn it, I wish I wrote as good as he did when I started. So it's like, I, I, I only hate him a little. Uh, so, hmm. but yeah, they're, they're mostly, they okay. lean into horror, uh, but it's horror where it's, yeah, if the demons are going to come for us, we're going to stand up and we're going to take them down with us. <laughs> you know? Okay. It, it's so what is it about, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to ask you, what is it about horror? Because we've talked to you about urban fantasy in your Tommy series, and we've interviewed you about that one. But we haven't really talked to you specifically about horror and why it appeals to you. Now, we did interview you on the Fireside Chat about what horror is, but we've never asked you directly, what is it about horror that makes it appeal to you? Um, I tripped into it. I fell into it by accident. Um, I, when writing my uh, first St. Tommy novel, Hellspawn, uh, I had combined... I basically had a possessed serial killer where, yes, the serial killer doesn't mind being possessed. He kind of enjoys it. And the demon is both has its own agenda and is along for the ride. And I combined the research I was doing about demonology with all the stuff I was putting together with uh, serial killers that I had already researched. And by the time I was done with chapter three and describing the first crime scene, it's like, you know, hey, uh, Russell, my publisher at the time, it's like, I know you asked for an urban fantasy novel, but I think I made a horror by accident. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure, that's fine. <laughs> so, and the problem I have found is, one, I generally dislike horror as a rule because there's too much nihilism, there's too much shallow characters who get, you know, who are just there, who are obviously just there to get killed by whatever creature there is. Um, it's like one of my favorite monster, one of my favorite horror movies is Jaws, because it's less about the body count of the shark and more about atmospherics, more about plot, and more about how do you kill the damn thing. And with horror, I find it easier and easier because I just take real life stupidity. 
I, you know, in, in I can't do the Latin for reduction to absurdity, but it's pretty much where I go with it. And um, unfortunately, um, I do that and it winds up, my, my plot points for my horror novel become true within about one to two years, which disturbs me um, almost as much, if not more than my readers. Um, although I do have at least one friend of mine uh, who worships Loki, who has suggested that I try using my powers for good and see how many people I can get win. I can put into my book, have them win Powerball and see what happens. So here's hoping. <laughs> they legit worship Loki or is that like a joke? No, they, they, they legit worship Loki. Okay. Well, I mean, there's takes all kinds, I guess. So yeah. the, this universe that I, and you, you probably haven't named it yet. If you're still working on it or, or have you, right. if you have, we'd love to hear it, but no. you have, I have, okay. not named it. but if you could, if you could live in this universe, would you? Well, considering that I'm playing God and making it, the answer would be, yeah, probably, because by the first year, <laughs> every, oh, no, no, by, by the first year, everybody on the planet would be licensed to carry some kind of weapon, because, oh, look, um, you know, half, a quarter, you know, 25 to 50 percent of the planet is going to have some sort of let's call it magical ability or power. So it's like the other 50% of the planet is going to need a gun because, <laughs> oh, look, half the people on the planet and how many of them are gangbangers? Yeah, we're all going to have guns. <laughs> Which, trust me, would make, okay. New York far more, it would make New York far more polite. I would think so. So uh, of all the horror properties out there, are there any of them that you'd ever want to live in? I would think probably no, but we ask on these interviews. Oh, hell no. It's like, unless it's like, yeah, sure. Uh, let's live in the universe of Jaws. I don't swim. So, you know, everybody can have fun. Uh, uh, then again, technically, I live in the world of Jaws because it was inspired by a 1916 great white shark that was swimming the Hudson between New Jersey and Manhattan. So... Wait, really? still I, I knew I knew that the captain from Jaws was a survivor of the USS Indianapolis, which was a famous World War II ship that sunk. And they when they had to abandon ship, the sharks got some of the okay, a lot of the crew. And so that was the that was the trauma, if you would, that affected the captain of the ship in Jaws. Which yeah. is kind of cool if you know the real history of that. Because yes. They, uh, they ruined that, that captain's life when it wasn't his fault. It was actually a Navy mess up. They didn't warn him yeah, and, about uh, what was happening. Because the war was over. The, the sub that sunk them just didn't know it yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh. that was that was his Ahab. That was what created him as Ahab. Quint, I think. His yeah. Name. It's a good movie. If you haven't seen it, people, you really should. Oh, definitely. It's they, uh, for Robert Shaw as Captain Ahab. And uh, him kind of picking on, oh, what the hell's his name? Whoever played the scientist. They, they, the actors apparently genuinely hated each other, which is a good thing because the characters are supposed to genuinely hate each other. So it all worked out. So do you, 
do you think a Jaws type uh, Moby Dick sort of story works in an urban fantasy slash horror vibe? Other than that one, could you could you pull that off? Do you think? Could I pull it off? I have no idea. Can it be done? Absolutely. I mean, hell, um, they, they've already done a, a kind of Moby Dick with person on person. Only the book was called First Blood by David Morrell, and they turned it into a strange movie starring Sylvester Stallone that had little to do with the book. And um, the entire premise around the novel was, yeah, this guy named John Rambo has completely lost his mind and the sheriff becomes obsessed with hunting him down and the two of them just keep going after each other until again like moby dick if i recall correctly i may be mistaken you know they both die at the end so it basically is moby dick you make that into two wizards throwing fireballs at each other congratulations it's urban fantasy now this this could be literally a you know, I, I was going to say a Harry Dresden short story, but um, for all I know, Jim Butcher's already written it. But um, but no, it can fit in almost any yeah, fantasy environment. I've seen the seen Rambo the movie. I didn't realize there were books. Now I'm going to have to check that out. But uh, oh. all right, so we promised you a short interview, dear listener, and here we are rambling away. So I will keep my word, and this will be a quicker one. So, uh, Declan, now that we've talked about your short story, we will link the short story in the bio, uh, in the show notes, because it is the sponsor. So go check out that anthology. It's a steal of a deal. You can't, you can't miss it. But uh, can you tell listeners how they can find you? Well, they can find me uh, mostly in the link tree that should be in the show notes. But uh, you type in Declan Finn into any search engine, and I'll pop up. I'm on every, I think I'm on, yeah, I'm on everything, every social media platform from Substack to Blogger, Twitter, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. I am not on BitChute, mainly because I can't figure out how to work the damn thing. So. Okay. You, you can find and me. You can find outstanding and all those will be linked in the show notes dear listener you can find us on twitter at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show you can email the show at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com again blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast Again, backslash groups, backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. You can find us on our website, anchor.fm, backslash blasters, dash and dash blades. Again, anchor.fm, backslash blasters, tack and tack blades, where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You'll help keep the lights on, and you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com, backslash author J.R. Handley. Again, buymeacoffee.com, backslash author J.R. Handley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast, and I promise I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Saska and Nick Garber, duly caffeinated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Uh, And on that note, I want to thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. Thank you for stopping by, Declan. It's always a pleasure. Same here.